What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Siren Sounder podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, This episode is brought to you by my new PC because uh, I can record an episode and it doesn't take 30 minutes to open everything anymore because we upgraded. Uh, Moving on to the next bigger and better things here in my house. Um, So I'm happy about that. This is the first episode recorded on the new PC. And it's doing its thing. So uh, I hope to be able to bring you more and more content now that I have a little bit more processing power <laughs> to go behind that sort of stuff. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. I mean, you don't tune. You literally just click on it. Uh, so, you know, it's a dumb phrase, I think. Uh, I, I just don't like when people bring, like, radio stuff to a podcast. Like, I get it. You're talking into a mic. But it's not the same. Like, when people reintroduce their guests... Uh, throughout, and I'm not mentioning any names, but I listen to a podcast related to the Hurricanes where a certain person does this consistently. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm not taking shots at anybody. But the podcast is, is already recorded. There's nobody coming in live, you know. That's why you would do that on the radio is because people might be, you know, literally tuning in in the middle of the show. And uh, you just want to make sure they know who you're talking to. But when people keep reintroducing their guests like one the name of the episode has the guest in it usually and if it doesn't okay it's probably in the description but like people know from nobody's jumping into a podcast at minute nine and then skipping ahead to minute 12 and then skipping ahead to minute 16 like nobody does that so you don't need to keep reintroducing you introduce them at the beginning and that's it the end that's all you have to do um also long pauses left like edit it it's not again not live not a live thing so don't leave like 10 seconds of space because they'll literally be like All right, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. And we're back. My guest again, if you didn't hear me the first 3,000 times, is this guy from this place. And it's like, why would you leave that dead space in there? Like, it's honestly going to bother me when I I edit this episode that that space is in there. It's going to bother me beyond belief. But I'm going to leave it in because it's for your rhetorical effect. Um... But anyway, thanks for thanks for uh, downloading and, and listening, I guess, streaming, whatever you want to call it, not tuning in because you don't have to tune anything to get it. You just click a thing on a phone 
or a computer or uh, whatever you're listening on. Um, and, you know, speaking of things to listen on, go to iTunes, Google Play, all that sort of stuff that you're finding this podcast on. Make sure you're subscribed uh, and also make sure that you rate and review the show while you are there. We have some changes coming up sometime in the somewhat near future with the show. Uh, nothing crazy and nothing bad, all good things. But, uh, you know, things are going to things are gonna be changing a little bit. And it's all good. Change is, change is a good thing going forward. And like I said, I hope to be able to uh, give you a little bit better production value. I mean, I think my production value is pretty good. Like, I'm not tooting my own horn. But compared to a lot of random podcasts, people record in their, in their you know, basement or whatever you want to call it. I feel like this one's pretty good as far as those go. So uh, maybe I can elevate it to the... Maybe you think I'm in a studio and that's where I can go with it, you know? So it is what it is. But anyway, again, thanks for listening. Haven't said anything this entire show yet, but thanks for listening. And you've probably turned it off if you don't listen consistently. The Stanley Cup uh, playoffs are still going on. Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals. We made it to them. And uh, if, you, if you've been following my quest to win my bracket challenge with my uh, four shitty friends who didn't have any faith in the Hurricanes, one of them did, but he also picked, like, Chicago to win, and so, you know, he was last the whole time. Uh, so that, that has now concluded because I have secured a victory. And uh, thank you for the Dallas Stars. Uh, thank you to the Dallas Stars for beating uh, Colorado when no one thought they would. But I did, and I got the, I have the West perfect so far, dude. 100% perfect. Absolutely flawless. Uh, the East, don't have any teams left, but it's okay. And I picked the Flyers to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I was rooting for the Islanders because everyone else picked the Flyers too, so I was already out in front, and I said, okay, no more, no more picks that they can get farther than I can. So I rooted against the Flyers. The Islanders shut it down, and uh, here we are. I win because I have the most points possible and the most points already, and everyone else behind me either picked the same things that I did or less. I picked the Dallas Stars to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, um, and yeah, that's what it is. And what I really think is going to happen now is I think it's going to be Tampa out of the East. Sorry, Islanders. Um, maybe you win. The Islanders just constantly get disrespected. They literally get picked against in every single series they've ever been in, and all they do is show us usually that they can beat the teams that <laughs> we think they can't. But anyway, I don't think the Islanders are going to be able to get past Tampa, but I do think it's going to be a really good series, or at least better than uh, many, many people would probably think. And then um, I think in the West, it's going to be Dallas beating uh, Vegas. Vegas is a good team. Sometimes I think that we overrate Vegas. I, I can hear the people getting offended in the distance, especially if anyone's a Vegas fan listening to this. I'm not saying Vegas isn't a good team. Anyone who says Vegas isn't a good team is stupid. And everybody who's like, oh, the NHL gave them the blah, blah, blah. They, made it, they shouldn't have been able to be a good team right away. Well, they weren't supposed to be, if you remember. All of you that are saying that, oh, they shouldn't be able were also the ones, you know, three years ago that were like, Vegas is going to suck. And I was one of those people, too. Because who are most of these people? I was like, okay, they got, you know, four <laughs> good players and a goalie that, to me, I thought was like on the on his way out in his career, um, and a bunch of contracts that probably aren't great, and then a bunch of who are these guys? You know, teams literally were like, "Here, I will give you a draft pick or anything to pick this guy. This is the guy I want you to pick." And they picked those guys, and and look at where they've. Become. I mean, I don't think anybody think thought guys like Shea Theodore would turn into what he was. I mean, I always thought Jonathan Marchessault was talented, but I don't think any of us knew 
that he was going to, you know, reach the next step right in that year <laughs> that he joined Vegas, William Carlson. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot of these guys coming. So Vegas is a good team, no doubt about it. Very talented. But I think that if Vegas was in the East, you know, we're not talking about them as such a high and mighty team. I thought, I, I think out West it was always um, Vegas and um, uh, Colorado who kind of commanded the, the attention out there. And I always thought Dallas was severely underrated because they play such, uh, such a defensive game. It's really a lot like the Islanders out in the East. And, um, you know, I, you, you know my stance on this. I think defense wins championships. I think that's why the Stars were able to defeat uh, Colorado, although Colorado losing uh, Grubauer was a huge thing. And uh, you could probably put a pretty good argument that Colorado wins that series if he stays healthy the whole time. But whatever. I don't deal in what-ifs. And uh, especially not when I win money based on the, you know, the, the conclusion of the what-if, which is they won. So um, go Stars. Thanks for that. And uh, it's a shame the Canes still aren't in it, but hey, there's some pretty entertaining hockey going on out there. So that's my kind of spiel on the rest of the league. Um, the Islanders, you're, man, you're, you're really boring sometimes to watch, but also impressive in the defensive game. If we get, an, if we get a New York-Dallas final with the way those two teams play, I think Dallas is a little more exciting. They have, you know, just... I'm not saying they have more star power than the Islanders because the Islanders also, you know, do have, um, you know, I think Barzell is probably the best um, forward in that group of, of guys when you're talking about like, oh, maybe this guy is like a star, you know. I, I think that Dallas has a lot of um, really good top six forwards um, that are like all operating. Like I think Denis Gurionov is, is really impressive. Um, you know, look at, um, what's his name that just... Uh, Yoel Kiviranta, right? <laughs> Put up the hat trick. I mean, not even expected to play. Jumps in, does that. Um, you know, they've got some good players that you don't expect. Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan are still who they are. Um, and, you know, maybe you're offended at the fact that I said Barzell might be better than either of them. Um, you know, Sagan's probably the best player when he's playing his game, but who knows what a player's game is anymore when they haven't been at that level that you talk about them at for years now. Um, but yeah, that would be an insane series. I don't think it'll happen though. I think it'll be Tampa and um, Dallas. But could be anybody. Could be could be New York and Vegas. Um, and if if New York makes it past Tampa, just win it, man. Just win it. Get the respect. But this episode today <clears throat> is going to be about unrestricted free agency and my kind of. Uh, you know, guys I, I have on my radar as far as people of interest to the Hurricanes organization and what I think their needs are. So real quick before we start that, um, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Let me let me kind of summarize. If you didn't listen to last week's episode with Sam Vanishevitz, um, he and I talked about the Hurricanes uh, restricted free agents that they had. Um, and uh, their own unrestricted free agents as well, and and kind of what the decisions would be as far as re-signing some of those guys, letting them go, um, you know, how the restricted free agents shake out. And the general consensus was um, that the the two most important guys are going to be Hayden Flurry and Joel Edmondson. Um, and, you know, I can't see the team not re-signing... <laughs> Warren Fogle, honestly, I would just qualify him 
Uh, I don't really think he has a whole lot of leverage. It's nothing really else he can do unless it gets into, you know, real annoying negotiations. I mean, maybe you give him a little more, but I think Warren Fogel probably ends up around a million. And that's just how it goes for restricted free agents when you, you know, he, he hasn't had a crazy breakout season. You know, if I'm his agent, I'm arguing for uh, a Brock McGinn salary, but Brock McGinn got that via arbitration and Warren Fogel will not have <clears throat> arbitration. So highly unlikely, I think that he ends up with that salary, maybe, you know, in a, in a, the year after. Um, but for this year, I think that he's looking at, you know, around a 1 million and I could be wrong about that, but I can't see it being higher than that too. And then, um, on the back end, you know, we talk so much about the Hurricanes having the best defense in the league and, um, you know, I think their roster is really good. I think that the addition of Shea helps that a lot, uh, going forward, like having some stability back there. And I mean, we talked about this last week too, but Slavin, Hamilton, uh, Shea, Pesci is a pretty intense top four. Um, now that that you need a Jacob Slavin doing Jacob Slavin things, you need Dougie Hamilton to have a, a repeat or at least close to it of this season which isn't guaranteed um this was a huge year for Dougie and it's really hard to redo that so it's not like a guarantee that he just puts up 20 plus goals next year and is also able to bring that um defensive side of the game that he didn't have as much um be you know before that and I think that that's that's really what uh made his game so much better this season in last season when he had a great second half but the defense at times uh, was a struggle and I had been a little critical of Dougie Hamilton last season but um, he he improved every facet of his game for this season so you need those two Brett Pesci we know what Brett Pesci is as steady of a second pair defenseman as they as there is in the league uh, his offense I think is is only getting better and his his he's smart he makes good plays um, he's you know a good penalty killer block shots can be physical when he needs to be pretty good at winning battles, and he he kind of epitomizes what the Hurricanes need on that second pair. Shea, um, we have a limited sample size on Shea, but um, you know he's he's going to have his moments. But in general, he is he's going to, in my opinion, at least. And we'll get to this because we have a Twitter question about it. But um, he's going to give you more good than bad on this team. And I think that he fits this system better than probably the Rangers system. I, I think it's a little more organized for him. There's a little clearer direction of what exactly the Hurricanes want out of their defensemen. Um, you know, they want them to be involved, and Rod's very clear about, hey, make a mistake, just make up for it. So as long as Shea kind of buys into the, the effort level that's needed, um, I, don't see, I don't see it being a problem with him. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going to have mishaps. But there's... Plenty of defensemen in the league that do that. He gets he gets paid a little much, but there's nothing really you can do about that. You already made the trade, <laughs> and then on the third pair, ideally to me, you have um, Hayden Flurry, Joel Edmondson. Now, what about Jay Gardner? You're asking. Um, that's the that's the key. Ideally, no matter what, to me, the Hurricanes re-sign Edmondson and Flurry, and uh, I don't know I don't know what we do with Gardner. And there's maybe a rotation, and that won't happen. <laughs> because if, if, if Jake Gardner is still on this roster next season, the Hurricanes um, will most likely not sign Joel Edmondson. That's just, I think, the way it's going to go. And uh, I talked about this last week, but to me, the physicality that he brings and, and that kind of gritty game 
um, that really no other defenseman on the team plays. Uh, that kind of stay at home. I mean, we say stay at home, but he still put up, uh, you know, a decent amount of goals this season. So it's not like he can't provide any level of offense. He's obviously capable. He scored on a breakaway. Might have been on a, his own rebound, but <laughs> still. Um, I, I was impressed with Edmondson this season. I think that he really thrived in that third pair um, role. And if you can get him for that, then then great. But having four mil on the books already for Gardner and then, you know, having to dish out a raise to Joel Edmondson via unrestricted free agency is just, I I would love to see a guy like that stay. But basically, you need, I need that piece. I don't need it to be Joel Edmondson. I don't need it to be any particular amount of money. I just want to see that, that type of player. You know, we need a Tim Gleason, basically. Um, makes your defense so much more difficult to play against. You, I've, I've been over this ad nauseum, but the Hurricanes need to become more difficult to play against. They need to become a better two-way team. Their, their defensive side has to, um, you know, become Dallas Star, uh, New York Islander worthy. And the offense will, will come from that, I promise. It definitely will. There's too much talent to not generate enough offense to win the majority of your games. You don't have to have, you know, four 40-goal scorers on your roster to beat the best teams. You just don't. I mean... You look at a team like Boston, and um, they don't always get even secondary scoring, but they're, they're I mean, they just lost <laughs> Tampa. But, okay, so take Tampa. Tampa has extremely talented, um, you know, high-level players, a lot of them, more than, more than other teams in the league. Um, and so that is like the, <laughs> you know, extreme example. Um, but, you know, they lose a guy like Stamkos, like they have, um, and you've got like a Braden Point, You've got a Kucherov, um, and I mean, there's a there's a you know Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord. There's a there's a plenty of players that uh, fit this support scoring role. But the Hurricanes can have that, I think, if they open up the ice and and get their forecheck going more. Last season, you saw the Hurricanes have a really good forechecking team. Their possession numbers were elite as far as you know compared to other teams in the league. Um, they were more physical than they were this past season. And uh, they generated more chances on average, I think, against almost any team, no matter how good they were. And the story usually just ended up being, oh, well, they don't have enough skill to capitalize on the chances. Um, and I think that was noticeable. But the, the effort and the grit and the, you know, the, the forechecking and the ability to win battles and the ability to control the neutral zone and, and really in the second half of the season you saw shut it down when it was necessary um, was, you know, I mean... And look at what they did to a team like Tampa Bay earlier in the season. Um, got a lead in the third period, only allowed like one shot or something. Really in the last half of the game. Um, you might remember the game I'm talking about. It was very early in the season. But so that's that's the type of stuff that the Hurricanes need. You know, they lost some physicality off the roster from last season. They replaced it with some finesse. And not all the finesse worked out. I think Jake Gardner was kind of a failed experiment, at least at his price point. He came on a lot at the end of the year. And that's great. I have nothing against Jake Gardner. I think that he he um, has been playing really well as of late, and I would have liked to see him, you know, play even more. Um, but still, that that price tag just doesn't work for for. They needed him to be in Shea's spot. Now they have Shea. Gardner's irrelevant. I mean that in the most respectful way possible. You have Dougie Hamilton. You know, you don't you don't need a Jake Gardner. Um, you just don't. And. 
the defense and the offense, and, and really mostly the forwards, the forwards have to become more physical. Um, there's just too much finesse. There's too many guys trying to make fancy plays when they could just you know get pucks deep or or making sure that they get into the right position and, and, and you know will the puck out of the zone. There's too many times where the team gets trapped in their own zone because guys are trying to stick handle it out of the zone and it just doesn't work. Lay a body on somebody. Um, you know, win a battle in the half boards, win a battle behind the net. This, these kind of things matter. Win a battle in front of the net um, on both sides of the ice. These things make your team so much better when you can do it. Look at the St. Louis Blues last year. Um, a lot of grit on that team. Didn't quite work out the same way this year, but um, I think the goaltending had a lot to do with that in the playoffs at least. Kind of ran out of, out of steam that they had generated last year. But in general, um, you know, the Boston series in back-to-back years now has taught me at least, that this team is, is close, and I like some of the skill pieces they've added, but the two they need they need everyone to be a two-way they need as many two-way players as possible on this team, and you know, I don't I don't necessarily think they need to add they don't need to do something like they did last season and go look for a Ryan to Zingle, um, because they want goal scoring um, I think that the goal is to improve your team defense in a way that allows you, allows those players like to Zingle um, to spend more time in the offensive zone, not having to worry about constantly, um, you know, playing that crazy two-way game because in general your team defense is that good and being able to spread that out throughout the lineup. I mean, it sounds silly. You saw kind of the Jordan Martinuk on the first line, but it didn't look bad, right? It's because the ability to open up space for those guys, those skilled players, um, and Ajo and Teravine are capable of doing that themselves, but the, the ability for a guy to, you know, get you in on the forecheck, be the first man on the forecheck, make the first hit in the offensive zone, help get pucks out in the defensive zone, um, and, you know, just kind of open up space with energy plays for your really talented players makes a difference. It's the reason why Michael Furlan, when he was playing well and healthy, um, played really well on that first line because he could do both, and that's the ideal thing right there. And that might be what Andrei Svechnikov is going to be to this team going forward. Uh, I think he already has been that, a power forward, and, and you see how rare those guys are. And they're definitely not cheap either. I'm not saying you need that level of player. That level of player is extremely rare, especially in today's game. But they do exist, and I think that the players that the Hurricanes need to add, this is my very long-winded point of getting back to the, the greater point here when we go into talking about free agents, I think that the Hurricanes need to add um, some forward pieces, whether it be via a trade or two, or however many they want to make. I do have a feeling that a trade is coming, and I can talk about some rumors here at the end of this one. Um, but whether it be a trade through the uh, free agency market, I think the Hurricanes have to add a little bit of grit, you know, some bottom six forwards even, um, that maybe and maybe top six, but guys that can play a two-way game have, have shown that, established guys that play a two-way game, guys that aren't afraid to bang a few bodies maybe. And, you know, I wouldn't... I wouldn't I wouldn't mind signing some some fourth line type guys, and I've got a few on the list that, um, you know, or and penalty killers and just guys that get you going. That energy line that, um, you know, the Hurricanes have have had. I think that Martin Oak, McGinn, and Geeky was a great fourth line, um, but having more more of those guys to where you can move them around the lineups. And I'm not saying become a team of grinders. It doesn't work. Um, so if you think that's what I'm saying, I mean it's definitely not. <laughs> you have to score goals. Um, but I I think that letting guys like Dezingle, Niederreiter, um, uh, Trocheck, guys, guys like that, um, 
just have more support around them, you know, the better your team defense gets, basically, the more space opens up for everyone and the better you operate. There's there's a reason why Nino Niederreiter played significantly better in 1819 than he did in 1920. It's because the Hurricanes team defense in 1819 was better. And it opens up more room for, for guys to not have to be, you know, so basically look at it like this. The better your team defense is overall, the less each person has to be relied upon. Like if you have one guy who's 80% of your team defense, then that guy has to do 80% of the work and the rest of the team's doing 20. The over, the overall percentage is always going to be a 100. But the better each person is contributing, the lower the percentage that each person has to get. So like Jordan Stahl doesn't have to be a um, you know, 60% of the defense relied upon his line when there's multiple lines that can do what he does. Um, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying make all the lines Jordan Stahl lines, but just adding pieces who think, yes, consider scoring, but there's also guys out there who can who have shown they can play a two-way game or have at least shown signs of being able to do that or whether it's an element of physicality. I just don't want the Hurricanes to go look for more finesse players. I think we have enough of them. Um, and I think that any more and you just become easier to play against and the Hurricanes need to be harder to play against. I don't want them to turn into this pond hockey team that we saw at times this year. This this unstructured team that loses a you know 7-6 game to the Maple Leafs and goals get traded back and forth. Yeah, maybe it's fun to watch in spurts, but uh, to me what's more fun to watch is my team winning consistently. And you didn't see the Hurricanes really winning ultra consistently this year. Um, I mean, there were spurts, but there was never like a you know, a, a dominating two months where you could say, yeah, they had a 70% win percentage. It just didn't happen. I mean, that's hard to do no matter what. But, uh, you know, there were plenty of times around the, in two-week spurts where they were kind of operating at a 500 capacity. And then, you know, they would have a really good week and then maybe a not so great week and then kind of back to 500 and then a good week. And it keeps you above average. And, and that's all you need to make the playoffs. But we're talking about the next step here, which is to go somewhere in the playoffs and, be able to contend with those really, really elite teams and call yourself an elite team. And the Hurricanes are close to that because they have a lot of talent um, in their defense and their forward group too, and they're so young and everyone's getting better. You think about an Andre Sveshnikov next year or the year after, and I mean, who knows? That guy, the sky's the limit for him. So it's exciting stuff. Sebastian Ajo, to me, continues to get better every year. You know what you got in a guy like Tavo Teravine at this point. Um, Natchez, I think is going to make a big step next year as well, playing the full year, kind of understanding his, his role and what he needs to do. I thought he got a lot better. His two way game, his breakouts, all that sort of stuff got a lot better throughout the season. So starting off at that and then continuing to get better, it's going to make a big difference. So anyway, let's get to the free agents part. That's what you're here for. Um, and my disclaimer is that these are not players. You're not going to hear a lot of high profile players here because one, the hurricanes don't have that much cap space for it. Um, the after, and this is this is again. I'm gonna go through like groups, like you know, different positions and what they might need, and it's dependent upon what they do, re-signing their own free agents that they have right now. Um, and I still think that they need that Joel Edmondson caliber player in the defensive group if they um, if they don't re-sign a guy like that. Like you still need that to me. So. Think about stuff like that. I think that they need to add some grit to their um, to their forward group, 
and just become a tougher team to play against. So those are kind of my guys that I have out there. But at the same time, you got to score goals. So I'm also looking for guys that can put up some level of offense and support scoring. That's what I'd be looking for if I'm the Hurricanes. Um, but before we get into the Fords and D, let's talk about the goalies. And maybe it's a good time to go ahead and answer this Twitter question that came um, via Ice Analytics podcast on Twitter. And uh, let me pull up his handle real quick. It's at Ice Analytics. This is from uh, Dr. Matthew Arp. Uh, good guy. He's um, I've been on his uh, show way back in the day when it first started. Um, we talked about the Hurricanes and, and kind of some stat stuff. And um, really intelligent guy. Love the show. If you haven't checked it out yet, um, definitely go check it out. Ice Analytics Podcast. You can find it um, on its own feed and at the Hockey Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. But um, Matt asks, what are your thoughts on goaltending next and subsequent seasons? So just going forward in general. And just going into next season, I mean, there's two there's two ways of looking at this. A- am I concerned about it? No. I think I, I, I've liked what I've seen out of Mrazek and Reimer. Um, I think that the 1-2 is the way to go. And I've, I've talked about that with a lot of people before. Um, whether or not it's on the show, I can't remember. But the 1-2 is the way to go to me. I don't think that you, know, you have an allotted amount of money that should go to your goalies as a percentage of your whole team. I think when you give it all to one guy, uh, goalies are just inconsi- inconsistent creatures. Like it's a hard position to just be lights out at every game. Um, or if you're not, it just, it's always noticeable. Like if your number one center's not, doesn't have a great game, okay, there's still three other centers on the ice and, you know, <laughs> 11 other forwards. Or 11 other, yeah, 11 other forwards. So... Like, it's not as noticeable. When your one goalie has an off game, like, it's extremely noticeable. He's the only one out there. So, and you can lose games like that. So, goaltending is just a, a weird animal. But um, one that I think the 1-2 approach helps because having both guys kind of in a rhythm and getting lots of games, one, keeps them both fresh, and two, allows for kind of letting one guy get on a hot streak when the other guy maybe doesn't have his stuff. Or maybe you got two guys on a hot streak, like the Hurricanes did in the playoffs, and you can just roll either one, and that's great. And the team plays well in front of either, and you have to be able to play well in front of your backups. If your backup's essentially another starter, then it's just all-time confidence for everyone. So I'm not concerned about the goaltending going forward. Um, Both those guys have, I think, one more year on their contracts. Um, I might be off on that one way or the other, but I know that they're both under contract next year and making reasonable amounts. So uh, I'm not concerned, but at the same time, if we're talking about what do the Hurricanes need to get to that elite stage, I mean, I think you're kidding yourself if you don't address the goaltending eventually. Like, it would be even better. I'm not saying that they're not good, but it'd be you're, you're always looking to improve, right? So um, finding a guy that can improve your goaltending is is beneficial you should look for that so let's go ahead and jump into these free agents and let's start with some goalies and this this only is even a thought well it only can be a thought really probably if um one of the hurricanes goalies were to be moved in some sort of trade so this is all contingent upon that i have you know disclaimer here with all this stuff i don't have any inside knowledge i just know a lot about hockey and and keep an eye on the markets and pay attention to, you know, contracts and stuff. So I, these are my guesses, basically. You're listening to a guy who, you know, watches a lot of hockey and knows the game pretty well, just give you his best guesses. That's what, that's what this is. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> so goalies to take a look at, um, you know, you knew this name was coming up. Robin Leonard 
coming off of one year five million dollar deal, um, probably going to want to raise. So contract wise, this is what I'm saying. You obviously one of those guys' contracts has to be moved, and even still, you're probably pretty tight. And a lot of these, a lot of these, I'm going to go through become the extent of your free, the Hurricanes just don't have that much cap space to work with. So you're probably looking at this is this is your one free agent. If you sign anybody else, it's like really you know entry level type contracts. Um, but Robin Leonard, a guy who went 19, 10, and five in the regular season this year, 2.89 goals against average, 9.20 save percentage, pretty good numbers. Um, played well for Vegas. Played has played really well for Vegas so far throughout these playoffs and kind of in his extent uh, in his little um, stint with them throughout the regular season as well after the trade deadline. So um, a guy to keep your eye on. You know, we've we've seen him for a few years now. I don't think it, his his success is a fluke. Um, I think that he kind of proved himself for real this year, uh, even though, I mean, he didn't really have to. He, I think he, he had enough evidence. But, you know, playing in front of that Islanders defense is like, you could say, oh, this guy could just be benefiting from that defense in front of him. But, um, you know, I think he's proven that he's, he's the real deal. He's a, he's a very good goalie, and even playing in front of not great defense, he still is able to uh, keep his team in games, and that's just all you're looking for for your goalie. So, Price point might be a little off, but the skill level I think is you know gets the moves the Hurricanes forward a little bit. Uh, the other guy to keep an eye on, um, and I really don't know what the market will do for this guy's contract if you're talking about average annual value, uh, his cap hit. But Jacob Markstrom on the Canucks went 23, 16, and four in the regular season, 2.75 goals against and 9.17 save percentage. If you remember back to the game that the Hurricanes played, I believe it was in Vancouver, um, he shut them out. And it or yeah, it was zero zero, I think. And then um, the Canucks won it in uh, in overtime. And Markstrom was phenomenal. He's the reason why the Hurricanes lost that game. And if you if you've watched Markstrom this whole past season and some of the playoffs as well, he's had a lot of those games. And to me, has really kind of elevated himself. You know, I've I've known who he is for a long time, but. Just recently, he's really caught my attention as like, this guy is is, is good. Uh, he's a good goalie. And maybe one that could come closer to the price point that the Hurricanes currently have in their goalies. I think it's probably his salary is going up a little bit. And whenever we talk about uh, unrestricted free agency, always understand that whatever a player is truly worth, he's probably going to get paid a little more than that because there's more than one team coming to the table. And uh, if you want more on that, go back and listen to, I think it was the fifth episode I ever did of this show. Um about uh, free agency, and you'll hear the the lemonade stand uh, metaphor. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, so those are some goalies. Um, you know, other goalies on the market is not really anything that I think interests the Hurricanes, and I do still think that the Hurricanes, if they are looking to make any kind of goaltending upgrade, might look for it via trade. You've heard some kind of uh, Frederick Anderson um, rumors. I don't know that that really pushes the needle one way or the other. Um, unless you're just like, we drafted this guy, we want him to play for us. But I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer. He's a great goalie. Um, but I don't know, excuse me, I don't know that he's going to provide you, you know, an, an insane amount of more skill than the, either of the guys you have in right now. And he's going to have to get paid more. So I, I don't, I don't know about that one. Let's move on to defense. And, and, Right now, you're all going, defense? What? Why would the Hurricanes sign a defenseman? We have too many defensemen already. And you just said that we should re-sign the guys we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is this is the disclaimer here. If 
if the Hurricanes have any money to spend on defense, I don't know what's going to happen with contracts that get moved around. All that stuff ha- always tends to happen in the offseason. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I have a feeling that something's got to something's got to give with the Hurricanes. There's too much money tied up in guys that aren't pulling their weight. So I'm hoping that they they find a way to you know finagle a little bit of cap space this offseason. And if they do have that, and if a guy like Edmondson isn't on the roster, here are some guys that I think could replace um, you know kind of what the Hurricanes are looking for. The first one is Travis Hamanick, and, and Hamanick has had a lot of health issues lately. So, you know, makes me nervous. Not probably my first choice for this, but he's out there nonetheless. Not a whole lot of these defensemen that I'm talking about that aren't either, you know, Alex Pietrangelo or, um, you know, lower level guys. It, there's These are the kind of the in-between guys. Hammond gets paid 3.8857, and it goes on, really. It's the most specific salary I've ever seen in my life. Um, uh, that's his cap hit this year, so, you know, influx. Call it what you will. It's probably staying around the same for his next contract, but call it 4 mil. Um, which is probably a little much for a third-pairing defenseman. But whatever. You need the grit. Um, Three goals, nine assists. He's not a point getter, uh, but he'll block shots like nobody's business. Probably why he ends up hurt so much. He can provide a little bit of a physical presence, and he's he's a good point presence, I think, as well. So that's a steady guy. You know what you're getting out of him. He's not going to be anything crazy special, and I think he's a third-pairing guy on this this kind of roster. But... um, you know, a, a solid third-pairing defenseman, kind of like a Calvin DeHaan, maybe. Um, same kind of health issues as well. Uh, the other guy on the list is someone we were talking about last season in the trade deadline, and that's Brendan Dillon. Um, Brendan Dillon, 3.27 million cap hit. 69 games played this past season, a goal and 13 assists. Again, a guy that's not lighting up the stat sheet. Um, but he did finish out of minus two, and on the Sharks, honestly, that's not bad. <laughs> they, We all know the season they had wasn't great. And anytime you're around even on a team like that is impressive. Brendan Dillon is a guy who will really bang bodies. Um, you know, another guy is not afraid to get out in front of a shot and block it. And um, he's also played up in the lineup with guys like Brent Burns. And so he can do that. If He's a, he's a versatile guy that can play up and down the lineup if you need him to. And um, very physical player. I just think that's the kind of thing the Hurricanes need. A kind of guy that you don't want to go to the front of the net against. That's what the Hurricanes need. Somewhere in the defense. Somebody's got to do it. Um, so those are the two defensemen of note to me. Um, again, a lot of disclaimers on whether or not you can even think about, or if, if you need to think, if you want to think about signing either of those guys, um, or looking at any defenseman and, um, you know, likely a trade might be more likely because you don't have to pay the, the premium of unrestricted free agency. And, um, you know, maybe you can shed a little bit of salary somewhere or maybe a three-way trade or something just to get a piece back. Who knows? Let's move on to the Fords I have on my list. These are in no particular order. Um, they're in the order that I found them. I literally looked through. Let's see who all the uh, pending free agents are, unrestricted free agents, that is, this coming off season, And just kind of, you know, if a guy catches my attention, then I'm like, oh, I could see that. Um, I threw him on the list. So I got a few guys here. The first one on the list is one of my favorites, honestly, and I w- this is one I would be really interested in the Hurricanes looking at. Um, but... Really don't know what the market's going to be like for a guy like this. Um, but it's Jesper Faust from the New York Rangers. A guy who, you know, unfortunately in the season, in the series against the Hurricanes um, was injured in that very first game right at the start with that Brady Shea hit. Um, so you didn't get to see him in that series. But if you did get to see him, you would see that he's a guy who brings a lot of energy, um, plays a pretty good two-way game, which is another thing we're looking for. Um, always seems to find himself around the net at the right time kind of when he needs to make a play. Um, 
and you know bring some speed and energy not afraid to not the biggest guy by any means but not afraid to you know throw a hit um he's not a he's not an all finesse guy either speedy guy um pretty good shot this season 69 games played 12 goals 17 assists so nothing crazy um but you know you you got to think about support scoring you know you need 12 goal 12 to 15 goal scorers on your team you just do um and if you can get that from guys in your third line at, you know how many have the, have the hurricanes done that recently i mean i haven't seen a whole lot of 12 to 15 goal scorers on their third lines hasn't really happened that much marty natchez this season um so the more that you can get the better and uh Foss is a guy that i feel like the hurricanes could afford if they have a little bit of space so a guy i'd be interested in looking at at least seeing what he's what he's asking for um, the next one on the list falls into the uh, physical physical element on the roster um, and helping the forecheck maybe or, or just helping throw him on a line where the guys need to be able to create more space. And that is Patrick Maroon, $1.9 million cap hit, played 64 games this past season, nine goals, 14 assists. Again, he's not, he's not setting any records scoring-wise, but can provide some scoring. He's a guy that um, you know, maybe on the even on your power play, you can stick in front of the net. Definitely a guy who could kill a penalty. Um, you know, he's getting older. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but um, a physical presence that has done that job on many teams over the over the years. So, kind of a proven success in that role, and a guy I'd be at least interested in seeing what he's asking for. Um, I think that's, you know, can't really go wrong. At least poking your head out and saying like, "Hey, what do you what do you want?" Um, the next guy on the list is Wayne Simmons. And a lot of you are probably like, Wayne Simmons, why? Why? Um, it's no surprise that Wayne Simmons didn't have the season he was looking for this year. And uh, his, his career has taken a little bit of a, a dip in recent uh, years. But he's not very far removed from some very successful years. Um, and don't forget that he played on Buffalo this past season. So, um, you know, I don't know why he signed with Buffalo. I don't know why he signed a one-year deal, but he did. And his cap hit was $5 million. Now he played 68 games. He had 8 goals, 17 assists for 25 points. Not what, not a $5 million season at all. In fact, those numbers are pretty comparable to Patrick Maroon at $1.9 million. <clears throat> so I think that Simmons might be a guy that if you're willing to you know, give a guy a shot, and the Hurricanes have been willing to do this with you know, multiple guys over the years, um, over the last few years, is is give that guy a shot. I think he fits the Hurricanes roster pretty well actually. He's a guy, he he's this guy that can that can score goals. We know he can. He's had multiple, you know, 30 plus goal years. Um and not all that long ago either. So it's not like it's he's a, you know, 35-year-old who's past his heyday. Like this guy still has a lot to give. He's still got skill. Um but he's a very physical player. Um plays that power forward game and and it's it's what the Hurricanes are missing. So um, if his, if his cap hit comes down and, and finds the right price point and, and you can offer him a kind of lower risk contract, um, you know, fantastic. I think he made a mistake signing a one year deal this past season. Um, because I don't see how he goes higher than five mil. Definitely don't. Um, and I don't see a lot of people wanting to lock him in for, you know, years of term, uh, at not a lower cap hit around like two to three. You know, that's what I'd be looking for. And of course, the, you have to factor in, like I said, the unrestricted free agency bump because there's multiple teams and the your demand goes up and you can charge more. But that's a guy I'd be interested in for sure. If you can find uh, a price that makes sense, um, you know, I could definitely see Wayne Simmons revitalizing his career in Carolina. 
I very well could. I would have a lot of confidence that he would turn things around from this past season. Um, so, And if not, he'll fit into the group of forwards that uh, get paid way too much to do absolutely nothing. Seems to be what we're collecting, so why not add another to the, to the shelf? Um, the next one on my list is Tyler Ennis. Um, interesting player to me over the years. A guy who uh, has played kind of all over the place. And uh, when he first came into the league, I think the consensus was he was going to be kind of a more top top tier guy. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, you're like, this guy plays on a fourth line. Like, I thought he was supposed to be really good. Um, and then he's had years where, you know, last, like, for example, last this past season, 70 games played, 16 goals, 21 assists, 37 points. That's pretty good. Um, you know, Tyler Ennis can score goals. He's also a guy who's used to playing a fourth line role. Um, you've seen that a lot from him. So not afraid to grind. He's kind of learned that style of game. Uh, a guy I think could be useful to a team like the Hurricanes. So, um, you know, 2.75 mil hit. I could see him staying around there, maybe getting a slight bump, but nothing north of like three and a half. Um, I don't know that it's worth three and a half by any means, but um, you look at a Dezingle type contract, maybe getting him for that or, you know, slightly under that would be, I think, worth taking a look at for sure. So. Another option of a guy who can play that game, but also provide you some some depth scoring. And her, you could always use that. Every team in the league could use that. Maybe other than Tampa, <laughs> when they're fully healthy. Uh, the last guy I have on my list for the Ford group is you know just a fourth line guy that I think is of interest because I I like the way he plays and he always catches my eye as a fourth line guy. Um, is Tomas Nosek um, from the Vegas Golden Knights, um, a guy that you know nobody really knew about before. He got a shot on that team, and he's hung around their their bottom six, and I think done exactly what you'd ask for a you know a fourth line type guy to do. He's also scored some really big goals. I can think of a few playoff goals he scored in his career um, that were big moments. So he's not he's not you know unable to capitalize on chances. He's got some skill, um, and I think he's a guy worth looking at as well. This past season, 60, 67 games played, eight goals, seven assists, fifteen points. Uh, again, not none of these guys you're seeing these these numbers aren't insane, um, but I'm looking for depth at this point. I mean, I don't we don't have the space to sign a you know a top top guy unless you get rid of a lot of dollars, and I'm not going to assume that we can do that. So I'm not going to say, oh, let's go look at Taylor Hall, <laughs> when you'd have to move this this and this to do it. You know, move that first, and then we'll start talking about whether or not that's possible. Um, but no set getting paid, you know, league minimum basically, just under eight hundred thousand a year. Um, unrestricted free agent, I could see that going up to the one to two mil range. Um, and maybe like a Brock McGinn type player. Um, but you look at a, a guy the Hurricanes used to have in Joakim Nordstrom. And, you know, he got kind of a bad rep in North, in, in Carolina, I thought, because he was playing on the second line, which like, he's been able to play up and down his career, but not a second, not an everyday second line guy. But that's just because the Hurricanes roster wasn't very good in those years. But you look at what he's doing on Boston and, and the success of that fourth line. And, um, you know, guys like that are incredibly useful. So when you see a guy come around, um, you know, I think a no set can be a guy like that. Um, and a useful player for sure. You can't discount, you can't discount the importance of, uh, some of these fourth line guys. Uh, the, let's see, I got two more things to get to and we're getting into this recording here. So I'm going to wrap it up here real, real shortly. Uh, the other Twitter question we had was from the Broadway Boys Hockey Podcast at Broadway Boys Pod. Uh, these guys are on the Hockey Podcast Network for the New York Rangers, 
And their question is, are you nervous about any of the Canes trade deadline acquisitions, Vatnin, Shea, Trocek, moving forward? Well, let's go down the list there. Uh, Sammy Vatnin. I don't think the Hurricanes re-sign him. I don't see why you would. Uh, I wasn't ultra impressed by him, and he's getting paid four point something million. I know I, I mistakenly said last week that he was like two point something cap hit. But that's for the Hurricanes because New York retained you know the salary, um, so that's what shows on cap friendly. So my mistake. His his contract is like four point three or something like that. Um, again, third pairing guy in the Hurricanes to me doesn't fit what they need. They need that third pairing. They need that lockdown guy who's going to be defensively responsible and physical and all that sort of stuff. Sammy Vatnin doesn't bring that, and he becomes especially redundant if Gardner or um, or what's his name Hamilton are still on the roster. Now you might ask, what if Gardner gets moved? Like you said, is he a guy you look at re-signing? Um, to me, still no, because I don't think that we need that. I don't think that that's what we're looking for. I want our defense to be sound defensively at all times. And I want physical players on the defense to be able to clear pucks out in front of the net. How many times have you seen a goal get scored in front of the net because the guy's kind of standing by him? Or maybe he's got a stick on his stick, but the other team manages to score anyway because put the guy on his butt, you know? You got to do it. You got to be willing to do it. It should be a, It should be difficult to go to the front of the net. I mean, I'm not a big guy by any means. I've always been one of the smaller players on the ice whenever I played. And uh, I knew every time I went to the front of the net, I'm probably going to end up on my butt. And I would go there anywhere because that's where you score goals. So um, you got to be one of those guys that's going to put a guy like me on my butt when I go into the front of the net or worse, you know, um, throw those cross checks in the back that no one ever calls for some reason. The worst, worst thing in the world, break somebody's back. So unsafe. But anyway, um, so Vatnin, I don't even I, I don't think the Hurricanes bother with resigning him and I, I wouldn't. You know, nothing against him. Guy's got a cannon, but he didn't really impress me on either side of the puck. I mean, his his he made decent decisions on the power play. Nothing that I think a guy like Jacob Slavin or Jacob Slavin couldn't do, and Dougie Hamilton's got the shot, so I don't really think you need him for that. I mean, it's a bonus for sure. Um, and defensively, you know, he had his moments where he had good. He has moments where he had bad. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I was like, wow, this guy's really impressive. He had one really good game. Um, against Boston, I think, and uh, that's really. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't have a huge sample size on Sammy Vatnin, but he's he's a guy who, uh, you know, was three years ago. We're talking about a little different player now. I just, I'm, I'm just not interested to to be honest. Um, Shea, am I nervous about Shea? Yes, of course. I'm nervous about both these guys actually. Shea and Trocheck, not because they haven't shown me enough. Um, but just because you never know how guys are going to pan out. And I've been kind of conditioned over the last few years to um, to just accept the fact that usually guys don't work out the way you hope they do. Um, and there's a reason why a team moved on from a guy, you know? Um, so just like uh, St. Louis fans maybe thought they were getting a little bit better of a deal with Justin Fall coming to their team and then kind of seeing like, oh, this guy has flaws. And he's not perfect. And he's not living up to what I thought he was going to be, especially with his contract. Um, it's the same It's the same way with these guys that get traded to the Hurricanes. And when you get them, I mean, think about a Niederreiter. Like, when we got Niederreiter, I was like, okay, that's a good addition. And then he killed it. And I was like, this seems like he's doing way more than he should be, like, <laughs> from his prototypical years. Um you know, and what he was doing on, there's a reason why the wild were like, we got to deal this guy because he's getting paid too much money. He's, he's buried on our fourth line. And you saw that this year. So, um, you know, am I worried that a guy like Trocek could, could, you know, not produce any kind of points and, and be a, 
you know, maybe a Lucas Walmart replacement, but getting paid way more than Lucas Walmart was. Yeah, for sure. I don't want that. Um, and am I worried that Shea's kind of defensive liability, um, you know, rears its head? Yeah, but at the same time, I think that Shea has a better supporting cast around him than he did in New York, and that's no offense to the New York Rangers, but I mean, I don't, I don't think you look at the two defenses and say, <laughs> without a doubt, the Hurricanes have the better, the better uh, roster. So, you know, being able to play with a guy, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've said this over the last few years that whoever is on a pairing with Brett Pesci seems to play the best hockey of their career. And it's not a coincidence. It's because Brett Pesci is a very good second pairing defenseman and he makes you just comfortable doing what you need to do because he takes care of his end and more. So um, I think that will help Shea a lot. I think that he'll be able to kind of roam and he's a good skater and a good guy for the breakout. So I think he'll have much more success on Carolina than he did on the Rangers, at least in the last few years. That's just my guess, and that's my hope. But am I a little nervous? Yeah, of course, because I, you know, the reality is it's it's not by any means uh, a guarantee that those guys work out. It's actually usually more close. It's closer to like 50-50 usually, whether or not guys like that work out. And they're locked into term. So um, if they don't work out, it just adds more guys to the we're, we're We're getting dangerously close with the amount of guys that aren't quite pulling their weight for their contracts and when you're looking to improve and you're maxed out cap wise, it's like, well, you shouldn't have to improve because everyone should, you should have one of the better teams. And if you don't, it's because guys aren't living up and you got to get rid of their contract and you have to give up stuff. And usually that means draft picks. And then you suck later on because you don't have any draft picks to, and you're constantly looking for free agents. And you're spending more money. It's just a never ending loop. Uh, and it doesn't usually work out all that well. Um, the last thing I wanted to get to here were some trade rumors. Um, Patrick Laine trade rumors and uh, Brett Pesci being thrown in the mix. Um, you've heard me say this before. I'm not interested in that at all. I am not interested in. I don't. I. I. Okay. I fundamentally get where it comes from, but I'm not a fan at all of dealing strength to to boost a weakness. Okay. Because if you're an elite, let's say that out of 10, your defense is a 10 and your offense is a 2. Okay. That offense isn't winning you a lot of games. But that defense, if it's a 10, means it's probably like the best in the league or at least up there, um, tied for the best in the league. That defense will win you games. So that defense will win you probably a, a lot of games if it's that good. If you deal one of your one of your good defensemen to get a forward, one forward doesn't make as big of a difference as one defenseman, first of all, because it's one out of 12 versus one out of six. Um, and so let's say that you dealt that defenseman. Now your defense goes down to like a seven and your offense comes up to a five. Okay. Now you're a team that's a seven on, on a five on offense and a seven on defense. That's a team that finishes ninth in the conference. It just is. It's not impressive. It's you middle, you, you'll always be around 500. You might have winning streaks, then you'll have losing streaks. And that's just how that's going to go. And of course we know that. So why you'd want to give up your strength that might be winning you games to you need to you you need to build that offense you know through the draft you need to build it through you know forward for forward trades you need to build it through you know free agents that fit your system well you don't need to build it through giving up something that you're really good at to get closer to being better at it something you're not great at um, and you know you hear a lot of people talk about this surplus the Hurricanes have like I don't I don't think that. They're just spilling over with defensemen. I mean, they need all those guys on their roster. 
So, I mean, I, I just I don't buy into that at all. I'm, I don't think Brett Pesci is a guy that gets moved. His contract alone is worth more than Patrick Laine to me. He's just he's so good for the price point he has. He's probably the most um, you know, team-friendly deal out of guys in his role in the league. Same with Slavin. Like the fact that, you know, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci combined are making like less than like Gardner and Vatanen almost. I mean, it's pretty close. I know that they are making more, but it's close. Uh, and it shouldn't be. So I just, you don't deal a guy like that to me, but who am I? I'm just a fan. Anyway. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the rambling and the, maybe a little bit of, uh, insight on some free agents and, and what the, what I think the Hurricanes need to do to become a better team. Um, go follow at SS Canes podcast on Twitter. Hit me up there whenever you want. Um, feel free to ask questions. I appreciate the questions that came in today for this episode um and feel free to interact share the show rate and review on itunes google play all that sort of stuff follow at HockeyPodNet um on twitter instagram all all of the above and um yeah thanks so much i'll see you back on monday with another episode take it easy